When you think about the word spiritual, what comes to your mind? Maybe the chakras, maybe energy sources, maybe even your ancestors or what you think about. Some of us may even think about being connected with God in a personal way. Well, I want to talk about all of those kind of spiritual influences and how they impact us on a day-to-day basis. Stay tuned for more at Common Bond Church. The greatest compliment that I ever received in life came from my aunt. You see, we were all together as a family for one of the first times in quite some time. Her husband had passed away and we were going to and from the funeral and also the cemetery. And it gave us a a lot of time to actually spend with one another. And so during this time, you know, what I began to express to her was just who I was and how I was living. And she began to see it every single day in my life. Well, when she leaned over to me when we were together one time, she said these words that I always remember. She said, you really make it possible for me to believe that I can lead a spiritual life in God. You know, when she said those words, I understood what she meant. You see, I grew up and my aunt grew up seeing how people actually lived their life when they actually went to church every day. And we'll be honest with you, most of the people that we saw didn't actually live a life that was very different from anyone else in the secular world. You know, meaning that their behaviors never changed. The words that they talked about, the things that they did weren't really discernible. It wasn't really as if God was actually truly impacting their life in an outward way. And so when I had the opportunity to come back home after several years, what my aunt was really trying to say is that I had begun to demonstrate what life really looked like when you actually truly was influenced by God on a day-to-day basis. And today, that's what I want to discuss with us. I want to discuss how a spiritual life in God is truly supposed to influence you in the best possible ways that you can in your life. And I want to do so by talking about many different kinds of spiritual influences. Sometimes we don't realize that God himself can be the one that we actually draw from and actually receive the things that we actually need in life. I want to share with us how God can actually be that source for us and how he desires to be that source by teaching us about the spiritual world. Well, let's start our discussion today by looking at John chapter 4, verses 21 through 30. We're going to look at a narrative that's commonly called the woman at the well. It's about a Samaritan woman who encountered Jesus Christ for the very first time. In John chapter 4, verse 21, it says, Jesus said to a woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You know, that reminds me of my childhood because, you know, what we looked at as being a religious person, being a spiritual person, first started with the church. And that meant that, you know, the church had a steeple and you had to go into this place and you saw the people that were there. Well, I always had like a great expectation for the people that were in that church. And maybe you feel the same way is that sometimes you see people who consider themselves to be people of God, being people who consider themselves Christians. But you don't always see the fruit of their life being reflective of what we actually esteem to be a religious person. And that actually jades us a little bit. And I think it jades all of us in some kind of shape, form, or fashion, and it jaded me. And so I wanted to share with us that very first thing is that God is actually saying to you and I, through the words of Jesus Christ, that it doesn't always mean that you're a spiritual person just because you actually are going to a specific kind of place. 
And then, after sharing that worship is not about a building, it's not about a location, God points us in the right direction by sharing with us these words in verse 23. He says, but the hour is coming, and now is here where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. You know, that begins to help us to understand that when we begin to have a spiritual relationship with God, that it actually must be done spiritually and in truth. You know, truth refers to the biblical account of who God is, which is found in the scriptures. But spirit actually refers to the inward part of us that is not always physical. You know, so it also then shows us that the physical place is not always as important as we would actually make it out to be. You see, here's what God was trying to unpack. He was trying to unpack for the Samaritan woman that the religious experience of what it actually means to be a follower of God wasn't necessarily equated to a physical place. He was trying to untie that relationship for her. He was trying to help her to see that what God was, that he wasn't a physical location himself. You know, God is eternal. You know, God has no location. God is the beginning and the end. He is omnipresent. He is able to be everywhere at the same time. So when you and I read the words of Jesus Christ being able to say in verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. He is breaking the shackles from a physical location being the identity of God. The identity of God is not based on a location. It's not based on a steeple. Instead, it's based on God being everywhere, anywhere, at any time that he needs to be. God is omnipresent once again. So he is trying to open our eyes to be able to see that there is something different than this physical world that we actually need to connect with that allows us to have a spiritual relationship with God because God himself is truly spiritual. Well, here's where I want to pause for a few minutes because I want to unpack this phrase, God is spirit. And what I mean is that my wife and I were in New Mexico one time and we had some friends that were there and they began to discuss with us that to, to be spiritual actually meant to be in contact with their ancestors, to be in contact with those that were from a past life, giving them influence and giving them the kind of guidance that they actually needed in life. And I bring that to a context because sometimes when people use the word spirit, it's not the same idea, the same kind of phrase that God is actually using when he describes himself as spirit. And essentially what I'm trying to say is that there are many kinds of spirits in this world. You know, even if you look in the Bible, you'll begin to unpack that the word spirit is attached to many kinds of things. You know, I read that there's a spirit of jealousy. Uh, there's a spirit of anger. There's a spirit of this world. There's even mute spirits, blind spirits, deaf spirits. All these things can actually be found in the scriptures. And so what that really begins to share with us that there are not just one specific kind of spirit that you can equate to God. There's many kinds of spirits that we can all kind of tap into. I want to now explore some of those other kind of spirits that are in this world. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, 11, 12, and 13, because it's a beautiful passage to help us to understand how we are supposed to live life in a spiritual sense in context with our physical reality in this physical world. Verse 11 tells us that put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against all the schemes of the devil. Here's where I want to start the key. Verse 12 says these words, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over his present darkness against the spiritual forces in the heavenly places. Now, I want to key in on that last phrase, the spiritual forces 
in the heavenly places. You know, what that helps us to understand that everything that we encounter in this world is not always physical. Sometimes there are some spiritual things that actually are influencing us and influencing the people around us that we might not have a clue and understand. You know, so it's really, really interesting. If you ever do a concordant study on the word spirit and you start to see the words that there's a spirit of jealousy, there's a spirit of anger, you know, there's a spirit of blindness, there's a mute spirit, there's a deaf spirit. And so that kind of tells you and I that sometimes people are influenced by things that they don't even understand that they're influenced by. You know, take for example, have you ever been in a crowded room of people who are arguing or bickering or anything of that nature? You know, sometimes when you're just in a certain kind of atmosphere, when you leave that place, you either feel unsettled. You feel as if, you know, something is kind of latched on to you. And maybe when you come out of it, you feel a little angrier, you feel a little bit more upset. And you really want to understand how that actually happened in your life because you weren't like that before you engaged that atmosphere. And so that kind of shows you and I that there is such an important reality about who we are attached to, uh, the people that we're around, because sometimes there are other kinds of spiritual forces that are in play with us that we might not quite realize. I want to share with us a second scripture here in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 16. In Romans 8, 15 and 16 is so powerful is because it tells us that there's a distinction between the spirit of bondage that can come upon us, but also what Christ actually has for us. Let me read it one more time again. It says that the spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. That's the freedom that we have in this world when we actually become a part of God's spiritual connectedness. And being part of God's spiritual connectedness means that we take off the shackles of some of the things that we have already been tied to in our life. I'm really thankful for my mother because she had some of those things that I described growing up in her own life. You know, she saw a lot of physical abuse and she saw alcoholism. But one of the things that she decided that is that none of those things would actually happen in her home. And so when I grew up, you know, I never saw alcohol, I never saw beer, I never saw wine, I never saw uh, liquor in the home. Um, and all those things that my mom was doing was creating a new narrative. It was creating a new environment. You know, sometimes people might call those generational curses, where people are actually attached to the things that are controlling them from what they've seen in their past. And, you know, my mom did a really good job of understanding that what was the past needed to stay in the past, and it could not engage in her future or the future of her family and her children. And so, you know, that was a really helpful step for me, you know, as I began to live my life to understand that I was free of those things because mom made them actually free from us to allow us to live in something new in God. And I'm even reminded today that sometimes there's a spirit of religion that comes upon people that doesn't allow them to experience the freedom and the rejoicing and the love that God really desires us to have. Because even in a religious environment, you can get caught up in the things of what you can do or what you cannot do, but not understand the freedom of who God wants you to be, to be connected to him so that we actually truly call him Abba Father. You know, that is saying that you are all mine, Father. You are, you are all that I have. And I relate to you in a very personal way. You know, God desires religion not to be just static, you know, not to be just a, a an order, not just a system. But God desires it to be truly personal, that you and I connect to him in a very unique and intimate way. And so when it says to you and I that we are heirs you know, of God and fellow heirs with Christ, it's telling us about this future freedom we have because we are connected to the spiritual reality of God. So in understanding these spiritual truths, I want to get back 
to understanding what God actually truly desires us to do. John chapter 4, verse 24 says these words, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So that's just a reminder that God is trying to desire us to become into a spiritual relationship with him so that we can understand how to be connected with him to receive all the things that God desires us to receive. So as God begins to engage us and to invite us into this spirit of freedom, this spirit of life in Christ, what I'm almost reminded is, is that when you and I want to understand what the spiritual world really looks like, you know, the Bible always refers to looking back to Christ. When he looks back to Christ, it always points to the resurrection. And I think that that's so important to understand when we begin to discern the spirits of this world. Because when you think about the spirit of Christ, you know, the Bible tells us that, that when we have the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life, that the same spirit that raised him from the dead will also raise you and I from the dead. And what that really begins to say to you and I is that there is a greater spirit in this world than all the other spirits that we may be engaged with. You know, sometimes when you think about the chakras, you think about some of the, the, the spirits that we go to for energy. You know, sometimes I think about feng shui, you know, where it tells me to point in a certain direction my furniture so that I have some kind of peace. You know, what that fails to recognize if I'm a Christian and if I'm pointing into those directions is that I'm failing to recognize that God himself is the spiritual force that actually truly gives me peace in my life. And so I want to remind us today that some of the things that are not necessarily evil spirits that are controlling our lives, but they're also still kind of spiritual influences that we, we look to for a source of energy. You know, think, think, for example, you know, when the Bible actually tells us that you can't serve both God and money. You know, he didn't use the word money in that example. It was the, the word mammon. And the word mammon was the spirit of money. The spirit of money begins to move upon us and not allow us to worship God the way that we would desire to worship God. And so God gives us insight. He gives us wisdom and tells us that if you choose to actually follow the spirit of man, it's going to naturally and gradually pull you away from your worship from God himself. And that works the same way with all kinds of spiritual influences. And what I'm really describing, you might not realize, is that many of the things that we follow as spiritual influences, the Bible would actually call them as idols. An idol is anything that actually pulls us out of the direction of a true spirit and truth relationship with God himself. And so think about some of the things that we are possibly engaged in, you know, things that we actually try to find some peace out of, things that actually relax us, things that we enjoy. It doesn't seem like they're hurting anyone. But at the same time, what I want to argue with you today is that those are the kinds of things that actually lead us from a proper and true relationship with God. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Acts chapter 17. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. Verse 17 is that he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the foul persons in every marketplace every day and with those who happened to be there. And I want to focus on that verse because it says that when he was in the spirit of other idols that were influencing them, I'm not saying that these idols were necessarily evil things, but those idols had an attachment that didn't allow them to truly fully worship God as Jesus Christ, who was the resurrection. And because that wasn't the case, Paul said that his spirit was provoked to have a conversation with them. 
so that he can reason with them in the synagogue and help them to understand who Christ was and who the resurrection was. Because once you understand the resurrection, you understand all those idols don't necessarily mean much because Jesus Christ is the one who is full of wisdom, full of knowledge, full of understanding, full of peace, full of all the things that we actually need for that we may try to run to from another source or another reality. So sometimes those things aren't bad, but like my wife likes to say, you've got to understand your why. You know, why are you trying to get influenced by some of these other things in life? And if those things in life are actually found in Christ Jesus, stick to Christ Jesus because he is the truth, he is the way, and he is the light. If we try to engage in some of the other kind of spiritual influences are, that are around us, those spiritual influences will just take us from a natural relationship with Christ Jesus. So as we begin to think about, you know, what this may impact you in your own personal life, and I'm always reminded that Christ does three things when we begin to share his truth. One is that he convinces us of sin. And what that means is that God may just be pulling you into a direction to help you to see that some of the things that you were thinking about, some of the things that you've been doing are not quite up to the direction of where God would actually have for your life. And when he convinces you of sin, he's trying to get you to turn away to turn from that thing that may be pulling you in a different direction into the right relationship with God. The second thing that God always do is to guide us into all the truth. You know, what I mean by that in this kind of context, I remember one of the first times that I heard that God was spirit, and I started to explore that reality in the concordance to see how many times does the Bible use the word spirit. That's where I started to see that there's a spirit of anger, there's a spirit of jealousy, and it began to explore my mind that there was a different kind of spirit in this world than just the spirit of God. And it's helpful when you understand that there are different kinds of spirit in God and how we can kind of naturally get attached to them and not even realize that that actually happens in our life. And so I desire us to maybe think about, you know, when we are being guided by all the truth, maybe God is trying to help you to explore understanding all of his truth in this spiritual world today. And the third thing that God always does when we begin to share his truth is that he teaches us how to love him and how to love others better. I know that there are some people in our life uh, today that we understand that are practicing some other kind of spiritual influences that are not quite the direction of where Jesus Christ is and about his resurrection. And it has naturally led them away from the kind of spiritual things that actually will result in the peace and the joy that actually comes from a healthy relationship in Christ Jesus. And so today I'm, I want to pray for those people. You know, I want to be involved in our life. I want to answer questions for them. And I want to lead them and reason with them, just like Paul reasoned with some of the people in Athens. So as we consider how to be connected to God, who is spirit, here's some helpful words that 1 Corinthians chapter 2 gives us. Verse 9 says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man has imagined what God has prepared for those who love them. In verse 10, it also says that these things God has revealed to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit which is from God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart these words, not taught by human wisdom, but by the Spirit of God, interpreting spiritual truths with those who are spiritual. So the very key for us to have this spiritual connectedness with God is to make sure that our spirit 
you know, which is within us, is able to discern how to connect with the Spirit of God. You know, John chapter 3, verse 18 says that when you actually think about what a spirit is, you know, you never understand it just because you can't see it. But sometimes there's an impact on what is felt and what is experienced whenever you see something that is spiritual. And so in the same kind of way, when we want to understand the spirit of God, we understand that we are impacted. We are always impacted by the spirits that actually are influencing us. And when I think about the people who've been the most influential in my spiritual development, they were individuals who weren't the greatest speakers, who had the most eloquent words, or even the most educated. What was unique about them is that they were people who actually lived out their faith and lived out the things that they believed in through the Spirit of God. And one of the mentors that I'm thinking about right now, you know, I can look at his family. You know, I can look at his wife. You know, I can look at what he does for a living. And I know that he's only doing those things because the Spirit of God was actually leading and guiding his life every single day. You know, if I looked at what he actually spoke and I looked at how he lived, it was always one and the same. And that's something that I always aspire to be and still aspire to be, making sure that I'm always authentic of what I believe in based on what I actually see. And that's such a contrast that you see sometimes in the religious world, that people actually can talk big things about the things of God, but not actually live them out with authenticity. So I pray that we're not that kind of people, but we're actually truly a spiritual people of influence to actually influence a spiritual kind of world that is in desperate need of it. If this message has been a blessing to you, I'd love for you to go out to our website at www.commonbondchurch.org and fill out a comment card and let us know how it actually has impacted you. We also have prayer requests that you can actually make on that same website, and we'd love for you to fill that out and get in contact with us so that we can actually stay connected with you. It's such a joy to always share a message with you. I can't wait till the next time we connect. Have a great day.